Welcome to Amusement Sparks, the theme park design show. I'm your host, Andrew Spawn, and I've got a couple announcements. This has never happened before. It's breaking news. Uh, Just kidding. It's not that big a deal. But anyway, I'm going to start taking suggestions for future guests to be on the show. So if you'd like to reach out through social media and suggest someone, you know, I just... I'm looking for more voices to have on the show. I love our pa- our guests from the past, of course. Obviously, they're awesome. And I'm going to keep doing repeat guests, um, which I absolutely love doing. But i just like to you know include you, the listener, a little bit more and see what direction maybe you think we should go with some future guests. So if there's a, a creator or a friend or yourself, anyone you think would make a, a great contribution to the show, please uh, send them to us. It's at Amusement Sparks on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. The soundtrack for today's episode is uh, from the Pokemon trading card game for Game Boy Color, uh, which is one of my very favorite soundtracks of all time. It's composed by Ichiro Shimakura, and I think it's awesome. I think more people should hear it, so hopefully you like it. Um, But yeah, our guest today is Dustin Statz of the Board Gaming with Education podcast. Uh, How's it going, Dustin? It's going really well. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. This is going to be an ambitious project we we take on yeah so your podcast is kind of you know all about well board gaming is in the title but you do kind of gamification game-based learning a lot of different things at the intersection between education and games which is a space i'm really you know really in love with personally and i think it's a really um vibrant tool that can really change education for a lot of people and um yeah I, I love your show. I'm a huge fan. And can you tell the audience a little bit more about what you do over there? Well, thank you. I, I love your show, too. It's been really cool listening to some of the music parks. The PlayStation one's pretty cool. Yeah, that was a fun yeah. one, right? That was ambitious, too, because, I mean, there's a lot of PlayStation games. Uh, probably not as many as there are board games, but still way more than two humans can like conceivably talk about right, it in an hour, right. you know? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you you hit it on the head. The podcast is about uh, game-based learning and gamification and education or other learning areas. And we talk about how teachers have applied different techniques of game-based learning or gamification, some of their failures, some of their successes, kind of a, a way that maybe if teachers thinking about how to use games or even teachers that already do, they can turn, tune into our podcast and get some ideas or insights from some of our guests or even Sometimes we do some solo episodes as well. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely a great show, even for someone who's not in education. Because um, ideally, we're all learning something as we go. And some of these techniques will even kind of work on teaching yourself stuff. Um, or you'll start to see it in, in apps and other you know programs or websites that you use. Like, hey, they're kind of gamifying this. Like, they're kind of trying to make me learn better. <laughs> you'll start to, like, you know, see <laughs> the the motives behind a lot of a lot of kind of more progressive and more, I don't know, um, enlightened maybe methods of teaching. You're like, this is more fun. Like, this doesn't feel like learning. Um, but yeah, I love that kind of stuff, man. It's it's great. And so when it came to us designing a theme park together, uh, we chose board games, which is, a, of course, a huge topic. But there's so many ways we can do it that I don't think we're going to get in trouble because we have an unlimited budget. Uh, it's all hypothetical. So it's not like we're going to run out of money or like get to a point where it's like, no, that's just too much. That's just silly or whatever. You know, the world is our oyster. That expression doesn't make any sense. I think we should all stop using it. Uh, The world is our playground and our imagination can run wild. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) 
So theme parks typically are sort of designed with a series of attractions laid out on a map of some sort, and the guests walk around, explore them, maybe they take a vehicle from here to there, but that's the basic gist of it. Um, board games don't exactly function the same way, typically. <laughs> I mean, although there are <laughs> right. some, like, like let's say, The Game of Life, uh, which is, or, you know, there's a couple of different map-based games, uh, Catan or Catan, however you want to say it, um, Risk, things like that. We could do one of those as sort of the overall big metaphor, or maybe each land could be its own genre of board game. Hmm. What do you think as far as, like, big picture, bird's eye view? Do we want to do a big mashup? Or does it want to look like like Candyland where, or Shoots and Ladders or something where you you start out in one spot and and move ahead? I think uh, a, a mashup would be kind of where I would go with it. I think something that I was thinking uh, the game Ticket to Ride is kind of a a train based game, and that's kind of the the vehicle that gets you from point A to point B or to another attraction, and that maybe could be like the overall. Oh my gosh theme of the transportation Dude, yes um for those who haven't played ticket to ride it's a great game there you can get it for multiple different uh size groups um but anyway it it's largely about completing certain train routes you're laying out trains to connect different cities together or different places together um and you have your own private destinations you're trying to connect to each other so that would be kind of cool as a as a general scheme of the game like you know if you get a bonus for going to this attraction and then that one and then that one. So you're kind of completing, you know, the train route, so to speak. I don't know that we need to, you know, commit to that 100%, but but that might be kind of cool as a almost gamified uh, method or, you know, reason to go from one attraction to another or try them all out. No, I, I think I really like that. It's like the the Monopoly game that everybody plays. You, you get a set collection and you have to go to different attractions to make your set and then maybe you get a some sort of reward at the end of the the day that's really cool and it could either be you know explicitly ticket to ride themed or monopoly themed or whatever or this could just be sort of the theme park itself is the board connecting all the different pieces and then each of those spaces for the set collection or whatever each of those spaces are different attractions which could be based on different board games um but we were kind of talking earlier today about maybe avoiding some of the more sort of mainstream ones or or potentially using this theme park as a way of getting people to explore the hobby more like get more into um maybe more serious or more modern board games serious isn't the right word but you know beyond monopoly and risk and shoots and ladders like the ones i've mentioned so far um and get into the the games that are maybe more enjoyable to a modern audience where there's not much of the kind of take that sort of uh, you know, fight starting types of games and there's more creativity and fun and and strategy involved. Because um, it's a huge genre. You know, there's there's not one style of board game by any means. Um, there's so many different genres and themes and age groups and numbers of players um, that it's just a it's a gigantic thing. Um, it's it's almost like trying to design a theme park theme park. Um, you know, where, <laughs> where each of its own, each little section could almost be its own theme park, um, right. because they all have theme and they have mechanisms already combined together right in the box. So trying to make an attraction based on those would be, would be kind of interesting. Are there any certain games that you want to hit? Like games that you really like that maybe we could start out with? Oh man. I mean, there, there are some games I really enjoy, but I don't know if it would be, if it would reach the 
mm-hmm. broader audience as well as I mean, because there there's one game that is really popular last year and I really loved was Gloomhaven. I don't know if you've I haven't played it. I've heard I need to though because those are the kinds of games I like to design. Um, but yeah, can you tell us more about Gloomhaven? It's like a, a video game in a box, pretty much. Like you you choose your character. Uh, your character goes on, you go through different scenarios. The game consists of like, I think 90 different scenarios. Uh, my friend and I played, we probably put about 80 hours into it and we got halfway Holy through. Holy that's amazing. <laughs> so it's it's really designed like a board game where you're going on different, you go on, go through different scenarios and you have to complete an objective in the scenario. When you travel there, you uh, get an event card and you have to resolve the event. You can find treasure you can find equipment for your character. It's really a really cool game, but it was the most popular game last year, and it sold a lot. But I'm not sure if it would reach a maybe. It'd be a way to bring people into the. This is a type of board game you can play. Yeah, totally, and and that's kind of the beauty of of board games and starting to get into the hobby. Like just going to a you know a board game cafe or a board game store, you can really start to dip your toes in the water and be like, holy cow, there's so much more games that are right up my alley than when I was a kid because the industry has just exploded and there's the designers today I feel like are so much more thoughtful and they have so many more resources available to them that the art has gotten so much better the mechanisms have gotten so much better and there's absolutely something for everybody Um, it's just a matter of finding it so this could be a really good way of letting people sort of try out each game almost like a demo but maybe in a shorter and maybe more physical type of experience because I don't think it'd be that fun to you know, wait in line for an attraction, and then you sit down at a table and play a game. You know what I mean? It'd be it'd be cool if we could do the the sort of human scale versions of a lot of these things. Um, and I don't 100% know exactly what I'm talking about there, but like imagine the game of, of uh, Mousetrap, but you're playing as the mouse. You know, like you know, being the scale of a pawn would be really interesting in a lot of games. Or maybe just making them more social, where instead of uh, just being a, a two-player game or a game where you just use cards to do all the action, you take the role of one of the characters or one of the pawns or one of the pieces, uh, just to make it more interactive. <laughs> like one that just popped to mind, you could do like shoots and ladders, but it's like a huge playground where uh, maybe the overhead view looks like the shoots and ladders board and you're trying to get to, you know, the far corner then, you know, depending on where you end up, you know, you can climb up really high, but then the only way down is this is this slide that, like, takes you way back to where you already were. Um, <laughs> that seems really dangerous, but it could be a fun theme for even just, like, a regular playground for kids. Um, if the overhead view was of a Streets and Ladders board, it'd be, be kind of cute. <laughs> that sounds, I mean, it sounds a thousand times better than playing the actual game. <laughs> <laughs> right, that game so. is horrible. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it was invented by, like, a math math teacher in 1850 or something it's like there's no game here guys you're just rolling dice and uh, moving a little thing around it's right it's very basic oh man but i i guess we can just kind of uh, the benefit of this format is we can just kind of grab whatever board game we want to and stick it in you know what i mean it's it's almost like packing your games up to go to a game night it's like just throw it in the bag and someone will want to play it i bet right right that's awesome so Gloomhaven, do you think we should, like, would that be almost like a live-action role-playing type of experience, would you think? Yeah, maybe that would be a good, like, part of the park is is that type of experience where maybe not just Gloomhaven or maybe it could be any other game is, 
the player, the person at the park gets to play as that character for a, like a dungeon event or something. Yeah. And, and that could coordinate really smoothly with that kind of set collection, you know, sort of monopoly style game where you're trying to accumulate everything like a matching set of something and then you kind of unlock another part of the game where you're trying to build hotels and houses on it like we could have that as an ongoing day-long metaphor and then in each game if you perform well you might get an extra card to go in your set um which that could just be a pretty you know basic mechanism it's it's not like it's a very high-tech thing but there's always a kind of the thrill of getting to draw a new card at the beginning of each turn and it might be exactly what you're hoping for um, or it might open right. your eyes to new possibilities of other places you could go. So maybe parts of the park could only be accessible once you have, you know, a set of all the whatever. Then it lets you get into that area. Or maybe there's like exclusive rewards for people who have completed specific sets or specific achievements. Hmm. Yeah, I really like that gamifying the theme park a bit. Is I think that has to be something included in a board game theme park right i I think that's the future of all theme parks in in reality as well but here in particular like forget about it uh it'd be awesome to have you know like a little character sheet that you're you're kind of filling out as you go um adding more equipment getting new things completing sets and there's all kinds of different game mechanisms you could use there you know it could be like a roll and write like a game sort of in the genre of yahtzee where uh, maybe you get a chance to re-roll one of your numbers at some point as a reward, and it's like, oh, cool, I need that because my number in this category was not where it needs to be for my specific strategy. So there's, yeah, so many mechanisms we could include. The The possibilities are endless, but I think this theme park would be so cool to go to because it'd be pretty easy to, like, add more attractions, and you never know what's going to be around the corner because it could come from any genre and can almost be anything, you know, like, because even things like, like Werewolf or Mafia, those, those kinds of games fit in here as well, those social deduction games, um, which most people wouldn't necessarily consider to be a board game, but I mean, they are sold in board game stores, you know, like One Night uh, Ultimate Werewolf and all that. So there's a lot of room for different types of play, but I think the important thing is keeping it light and varied and making sure people can get through a lot of games and not just play two rounds of Risk and then the park's closed you know <laughs> yeah you're right right <clears throat> i like the the uh, mafia or um werewolf or there's a podcast i listen to and they they call it assassin where you just have to go up behind someone and then you kill them and so maybe you get a random number if you want to choose to partake in this game as you enter the park you can be the game and you have a number above your head or something. Oh, cool. And someone else is looking to assassinate you. No, that's cool. Because, I mean, you could do, if you think about um, playing a game as a figurine, like a a pawn in the game, you get into some some things that feel like live-action role-play combat or like laser tag or like assassin like you said or this this game we played in college uh something about zombies i forget what it is but it's like this ongoing game where you are in the role of either a, oh humans versus zombies is the name of the game uh, um yeah. where you're either a human or a zombie and when a zombie tags a human they become a zombie um uh, but the humans all have nerf guns and so like that kind of thing you know just arming our part guests arming them is a scary word um <laughs> yeah. but giving them some sort of tool uh or weapon or whatever that allows them to perform the actions that one of the tokens in the game would perform 
Right. It's really fun. And it'd be cool too if you could take it from game to game, you know, um, which this is something I've been dreaming about that's going to revolutionize video games hopefully someday. If you can have one avatar that you can take from one game to another game, um, I think that kind of idea would be so much fun, even if it's not everything. You know, if you're, if you have, um, like for example, in this theme park, you're connect, collecting properties in a Monopoly type of game, and then you go into like a war gaming type of thing where you're playing a World War II scenario, you're not necessarily going to play the boardwalk card in that game. That doesn't really make sense. Yeah. But there could be some currency that you know carries over or an overall like score for the whole day. Like certain things that can kind of stay with you and connect these pieces together so it's not just a bunch of separate experiences, but it's your whole day long experience and you can kind of show, you know, hey, I, I gained this much experience or this many points during my visit, I can't wait to go again next summer and add on to my same character. I think that right, right. persistence of score would be would be really fun. And all, actually, that kind of ties into um, a sort of subgenre of modifications on games, which is the legacy style game, where the board itself is changed over time. As yeah, yeah, the more you play it, the more rules unlock, or the more you know special classes become available. Something like that would be really cool too, and I guess that's kind of what we've been getting at. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't know if you if you know the the author Yukai Chow at all. No, not familiar. He, I think it's someone that maybe uh, your listeners you might want to check out. He he qualifies or quantifies or he categorizes all the different game elements into uh, I think he calls them core drives. And what you were talking about the avatar is he puts into a ownership, and as a player we we feel a sense of ownership and that's part of the gamification experience. That's really cool. Yeah. I think, uh, using something that, that people can come back with the next summer or the next time they come back to the park is really, I think valuable. Yeah. And there are some things that I get like so excited about and I'm like, surely this is the future. And then I realized, you know, this is just because I'm a huge dork and I love learning. <laughs> like, um, anything related to gamification, I'm like, oh my god, that's the key. That's gonna, you know, save everyone and get us allow, you know, people to end poverty and anyone can do whatever they want to because everyone will be such good learners now. And it's like, oh wait, that's only for people who are already intrinsically motivated to learn. Um, mm. So I get a little overexcited about some of this stuff, <laughs> but right. I think it would make it more engaging for everybody. Uh, to do that, to have the kind of ownership, the the long term uh, impact that you are making on your own experience, even if it's just exploring a theme park, you know, if, if I get another badge for every time, every game I learn, like I'm going to be learning a lot of games uh, for more than one reason. I like I like right. the badges, I like the progress, and I like learning games. So what's not to love about this theme park? <laughs> yeah, I just watched uh, Ready Player One. Oh yeah, on my flight back to los angeles and it kind of reminds me of that where their avatar they just gain all that i guess cold and coin and weapons whatever but when they die they lose it all and it's like very very like uh they're just heart-wrenched that they lost everything in the game yeah it's kind of interesting to like you know sort of look into the future of you know the more and more time humans spend in vr you know it's it's you know blending of of real life and gamification with a massively multiplayer online game with VR, like, man, that gets pretty immersive pretty quickly. And um, it's it's kind of crazy to try to imagine what the future is going to be like in that way.
maybe we could just throw games at each other and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think about code names? I know that that game has been brought up on your podcast a few times as as basically a way of of working on vocabulary. Um, but it's it's a really interesting game where you try to kind of express to your partner a word through a bunch of clues. Maybe kind of going with the the same mechanic or the same idea that players are the game pieces because code names the whole theme of that game the theme and the game mechanics don't really relate too well they kind of make a leap um but you're basically a secret agent and you're trying to contact your other secret agents in the field without contacting the wrong agent if i'm getting that theme right so maybe it would be cool to have like other people in the park to be the agents you need to contact and deliver a message maybe wow no that's super cool and that that could even connect to the sort of assassin style thing you know maybe there's a bunch of different guilds or whatever and you're trying to connect with other people in your guild without finding people of the opposing guild because you know they can take your stuff away (laughs) or whatever there's some negative to it um but kind of everyone is in disguise in a way they just look like a regular theme park guest but then once they pull out their token or you know their little whatever, we need to come up with some kind of thing for them to carry around. They'll be like, "Hey, look, uh, you know, I, you know, paper beats rock or whatever, so I get your stuff." Or there's some kind of interaction that isn't that has a, a game mechanism to it, where it's not just going to be like, "Hey, I'm a bully, give me your stuff," but it's going to be like, "Oh, look, you messed up, so uh, you lose those points and I get them or whatever." Right. Or maybe maybe instead of taking them away, it's just like you get extra points if you find someone from the yellow faction they get extra points if they find someone from the blue faction etc um but your real goal is to find other people of your same your same faction that could be kind of interesting and maybe you could do clues or or you know communicate with others somehow in like a way that's that's a little bit indirect kind of like code names where you can I don't know, follow clues or, or leave clues behind, but you can't just say like, hey, meet me at this at these GPS locations at three o'clock. That's a little too easy. <laughs> um, but maybe, yeah, leave leaving cards laying around somewhere or, or some kind of digital messaging system where it's like, oh, did you see that message that just flashed on that billboard? Uh, I think that was meant for our guild. Let's try to figure out what this means. I like the idea of the kind of, uh, nonverbal communication or needing to communicate through kind of obscure things, almost like um, Dixit. Have you played that game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great. I one think too. it's a really fascinating game. But anything where you need to communicate through something that could be interpreted many different ways, like that's a real challenge. Like it's right. a it's a lot of fun too if you get it right, uh, or if you get it wrong, it can be fun as well. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, it's it's a lot of times fun when it's wrong too. But it, it's also nice to have some some attractions where you can still be using your brain but not need to use language. Um for people who are learning the language or who are just visiting from another country and have no interest in the language, it's like they should still be able to have fun here too. Um and people of all ages could at least have some amount of input here. Like you know, a three year old might struggle with it of course, but um I think that kind of game mechanism sounds pretty fun. Or really, this kind of gets into the whole, like, wargaming subgenre, which is which are things that have kind of evolved from chess to actually more 
accurately represent a battlefield, like Warhammer 40k, or there's there's so many of them. A lot of them have giant robots, a lot of them are set in World War II, but, you know, they're about destroying each other and tactically outsmarting each other and maneuvering around a physical map. Um, and those sorts of games could be really cool, whether we represent them... Like this, this would be the kind of game I think that would be really interesting to have in a VR type of setting where you're playing as like a commander, you know, on this like giant table moving your pieces around. And then you can like look out the window of your spaceship and see like those troops you just moved flying past you into formation or whatever, um, which I realize is not really a theme park thing, more of a video game type thing. But um, some of these like like the wizard chess thing from Harry Potter, I always thought that might be an interesting board game integration with real life people where where the humans are the pawns basically that sort of thing might be cool oh yeah that would yeah if there's like one person who's the strategist and then everyone else is playing as as pawns which might not be as much fun as being the strategist but <laughs> yeah i mean you could i guess you could choose you could choose just about any of the the war games and do that there's a game that i've been playing a lot called scythe i don't know it's a euro game which so there you place your workers down and they give you resources but it's it's blended with like I guess a combat type game kind of like risk um, where you're trying to control the board as well territory control so it's maybe someone in the game you actually have there's one pawn that's your character piece and then you have mechs or like little like mechanical like uh, I guess I don't know fighting machines (laughs) and then you have farmers who like get your resources so you could play the character and then you can tell your your little pieces where to go and what to do that does sound fun uh that those like bigger strategic games would definitely draw a specific you know type of audience who would want to see more and more of those types of attractions um i've been looking through this big list of of board games and a lot of the ones that i think would translate really straightforward into a um, theme park attraction would be something almost like like Battleship or Kerplunk or even Connect Four, which would sort of similarly have someone who's kind of playing as the strategist, like on a, a Battleship amusement, they are, you know, sort of choosing where the little pips are going to go. But you could also be on this attraction as almost like a, a thrill ride where you're sitting on the submarine and then once the like third peg goes in, like it explodes or something like not literally, but you know, it goes through some sort yeah. of thrill experience. Like it drops down like a drop tower or it starts going on a roller coaster or something where there's, there's like a consequence instead of just saying, Oh, your piece is out. There's actually people on there and they get to like go do something fun because they lost the game or their pieces out or a game like connect four where you, it doesn't make any sense, but if you're like inside of those little round pieces and then, you know, when the, when the game's over, like the second, the other team wins, all the pieces just like drop down like a drop zone style attraction, uh, which is completely opposite from a war game. But I was originally, my train of thought was like, could someone have fun as one of the soldiers or as one of the workers in a worker placement game? And of course, maybe they could, you know, if you're being placed as a farmer in one of these games, maybe there's like a farming mini game that you're playing while the commander up there is, you know, taking his turn or whatever. So you can kind of do some interesting things with scale where there's maybe one person sort of commanding the whole army, but then each little soldier is also doing their own little game, whether that's something like laser tag or like a a target practice type thing 
where they can kind of adjust their their score you know like maybe instead of rolling dice if you have a character one pawn is attacking another pawn and you're supposed to roll a six-sided dice to see how much damage you do instead that pawn does some kind of shooting minigame and their score is what they roll Have you have you played any mega games? I don't think so. Yeah, I I just learned what these were not too long ago, but it's it's kind of like what what we're describing here is like you know, 100 people playing a board game, but it's not a board game. I guess the whole experience of the mega game is to get off the table. So like I don't know if I would do it justice explaining <laughs> it. I'm going to try try my best cuz I've never played, but uh, essentially you have like I can explain one part of the game. You would have like journalists for one team. So maybe it's a, the game is revolved around a war and you have a journalist side for one side and then a journalist for the other side. And you're going to type up like, uh, I guess news on what's happening and you can only give certain news to the rest of your like country, Mm. I guess. So like there's a group that's like the journalists. There's a group that's maybe like the, diplomatic officer officers or yeah but that's that's my best explanation that sounds really interesting and and there's a lot of games where there's sort of different classes or different styles of pieces that can do different things for you and i like the idea of each of those being a person who's trying to achieve a different goal but sort of for the same nation or for the same team or whatever because a lot of these would be really fun i think even if it wasn't in this theme park if it was just like you know you're you're like a college gaming group and you want to do some physical game out in the field uh you can come up with with games kind of like this like a a game specifically designed for the pawns to be humans and they're each trying to accomplish their own goals while also working with people who are a totally different piece with different abilities but you need to coordinate um as much as you can or or like you say if you're trying to get out of the board like you're trying to get off the board each person has their own methods of of moving or or making progress towards that goal. That sounds really interesting. I mean, that's like a whole right. other genre. You know, that could be a whole another like land of the theme park is those kinds of mega games. There's a lot of like party games that I don't know that they'd uh, translate into an attraction that well, but they could just be a game there. Like maybe there's just a big games library in the food court area. So if you just need to take a breather, get some air conditioning, and eat some food, you know, there's there's apples to apples, and there's um, catchphrase, and all those kinds of games just sort of hanging out, ready to go. And, I mean, it could also be possible that we just make this theme park a place with a pretty low ticket price, where it's $25 or something, and then it's kind of okay if you end up just playing board games all day, because that was fun, too, and, you know, similar comparable price to going to a board game cafe or board game bar. And, you know, it doesn't have to be all thrill rides and roller coasters and 4D experiences. It can it can be kind of simple, like like board games are. I think people are kind of craving that as a, a break from video games, you know, sit around the table with real people. So we don't want to just turn all the board games into video games in the theme park. <laughs> Keeping it keeping it social, I think, is a should be a priority. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I I would pay to do that. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I go to conventions, and that's pretty much what I'm paying to do is play games and be around board games. 
another type of experience that I always love to talk about on the show is escape rooms. And there's plenty of board games that would work in that kind of context because an escape room is a lot like a board game. In fact, there are like a series of board games that are essentially escape rooms now anyway. Um, but a lot of them are, you know, like Clue, for example, as the, the classic example of of solving a mystery, um, could definitely be set up as an escape room. You know, you're, you're in this place and you can't get out until you've solved the puzzle. And Clue does have a lot of randomness to it, um, a lot of guessing. But something sort of like that would be really interesting. A, a game where you're you're trapped in a certain space until you can solve the puzzle and, and use that to escape, themed to and including mechanics from a bunch of board games that people love would be awesome. Like uh, the There's a whole series of, of H.P. Lovecraft-inspired board games. Mm. That would be really cool here. Oh, yeah. Um, using all sorts of different mechanisms as well. But basically any kind of mystery or horror-themed game would work really smoothly here. Or maybe something with code names, potentially? I've actually did the escape room, clue-themed escape room in Austin. Can't remember the name of the, the company, though. <laughs> but it's in Austin, Texas, so if anyone's around. Um, but I think uh, what you were talking about, the HP Lovecraft, is uh, Betrayal of House on the Hill. Yeah, that's... I don't know if you've played this game. A good one. But it has, like, it just has, I think, a 100 scenarios or so maybe there's they've added expansions but you play the game and then there's a point where the haunt happens and when the haunt happens something like from one of hp lovecraft's stories or from other horror stories takes place like uh for example so you have like five players and one of the players becomes the bad guy in the haunt so we learn that one of the players was actually uh frankenstein which would be the doctor right right it should be (laughs) Yeah, so they they were the doctor that created the monster. So now we had to kill the monster while the monster was haunting hunting us or escape. And so that would be kind of a cool escape room themed based on the Trail of House on the Hill, that board game. Totally true. And uh, Arkham Horror is the one I was actually originally thinking of. Just the first time I played that game, it totally blew my mind as far as what a board game can even be. You know, this was like freshman year of college or something like I moved to the big city from a small town, so I was like, oh, what? <laughs> like, I thought board games were just like Guess Who and, and Pokemon Master Trainer. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I didn't realize the whole, you know, that you could do board games of any theme with all kinds of complex mechanics, and you're going to be sitting there for four hours, but you're also going to be, like, pretty, I don't know, scared. You're going to kind of get into character a little bit. Um, but, yeah, but there's so many great opportunities like that, like you were talking about, for for including a way of, of have of forcing someone to you know solve a problem or or defeat the monster or whatever, uh, it'd be a much more engrossing if you're actually the character in a game like that. Probably one of the best games out currently the last like ten years is Pandemic. Could be older than that, I guess, but that would be a really interesting game on like a human scale because each player plays as a human anyway. Maybe you have to like work together as the full theme park everyone's in the game to save wow. the world at the end of the day <laughs> that'd be awesome yeah that'd be really cool if it was a time specific thing like um you know enjoy the theme park but then at eight o'clock p.m it switches to the whole park is playing pandemic where <laughs> I, I don't know how you would want to arrange it you know maybe everyone who's in this area this this whole plaza is kind of trying to fulfill the same role and solve this solve this puzzle or come up with a strategic option that would help with this situation 
would be kind of interesting. Hmm. You could almost get to a place of, um, almost like when, when Twitch TV does, like, Twitch Plays Pokemon or, or something like that, where it's a hugely, massively influenced game, but you're only playing from the perspective of one character. So, like, in Twitch Plays Pokemon, if you're not familiar, it's like, everyone would just type in the chat what button on the Game Boy they want the robot to push, basically. And so, if you're watching the actual feed of the game, this character is just, like, turning left and walking straight, turning left, walking straight, and just, like, opening the menu, closing the menu, releasing a Pokemon, just doing all kinds of random stuff that no no human being would ever do on their own. But when there's, like, tens of thousands of people trying to fight over the controls at the same time, <laughs> it really creates some hilarious things. Because I was just picturing, like, a setting where everyone in the food court is trying to decide which of these, like, five cards to play. You know, maybe you could do a thing where, you know, everyone pushes a button to vote on which card they think should be played and the oh, most yeah. popular one happens. Because um, originally in my head I was like, I don't know if that'd be that fun, but it could be really fun if it's like as if you were playing Twitch Plays Pokemon, but you were all with a bunch of other people also playing it at the same time. Uh, might be kind of fun. I mean, not super fun, but a little fun. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to adjust the mechanisms, of course, if you're going to have that many people pushing buttons, but... I like the idea of a big group think type of activity right. like that. I feel like it gets harder the more people you design a game for. Yeah. Yes, very true. Unless it's a mega game, like you were saying. But those are kind of a different beast. Like I would say they still fit in the category of board games, um, which isn't really the best name because they don't have to have a board. But uh, games like that, and they're not right. always they're not really tabletop games necessarily either because they could be played outside or like twister is probably considered a board game hmm right yeah yeah wow yeah it's hard that's i mean i do some presentations on game-based learning english language classrooms and that's one thing i always have to define is like what's a tabletop game what's a board game well actually when i say either or or, it's almost anything it could have a table it could not have a table about games that are sort of like Catan, like where you're you're kind of doing agricultural type things or uh, working on building, like Monopoly. How would you rec- represent a game kind of in that, that genre of, of sort of defining a landmass? I guess those are totally different things. <laughs> Monopoly is not at all like, like Catan. Let's just start with just Catan. What do you think about that one? Because that's a huge game. Hugely popular. Mm, that's tough. I don't know. I, I Nothing's coming to mind right away. I, I don't have a ton for it either, but just that it might be kind of interesting if you had... Because uh, in that game, you have different locations that once you control them, will start to gain resources for you. You could have teammates on each of those spaces that are that are within your control. So like, let's say we're all playing as a team, and I'm sitting on this mountain over here, and so whenever this resource is needed, I do something, like play a little minigame, or I'm the one who negotiates trades if they involve my resource. It, it gets a lot more complicated, and it's a totally different game at that point. Um, but there's a way we could make Catan into a big multiplayer experience, I think. Not the best attraction, probably. but <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, I, 
you know, maybe we should just take this as one of our sort of park-wide overall things you're working on all day is you're gathering those resources and trading them with people. Um, oh, yeah. Because, yeah, that game, just as it, its own experience, like a standalone, you know, huge theme park scale Catan game, not might not be that fun. But if you're collecting your own bricks and rocks and straw or whatever over the day, and then you get to kind of exchange those for stuff, um, maybe you can trade them in for, like, victory points or whatever the long-term experience points are. Uh, that could be a- another way of doing it. Sort of in addition to the set collecting mechanism where you're trying to collect, you know, the four different red cards, you're also trying to get as much sheep and as much of these different resources as you can as well. So that there can be a reward at every game if you do well. You know, not every game is going to let you do this one kind of reward you're seeking, but every game will give you some sort of reward. Yeah, I think I think it'd be cool to kind of rotate what we what we've talked about before is things come back. So maybe the set collection for one day is Catan. Ooh. The next set collection is like uh, the Ticket to Ride set collection, so on. Oh, that's really cool. I think that's another way that you can kind of expose people to the different types of games too that are out there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this, this theme park could just be like infinitely large. There's, there's so <laughs> yeah. many different types of experiences we could fit in here that it's pretty much amazing. And um, I, I'm an amateur board game designer, so I get to go to a lot of sort of game prototyping events and there's just some wild stuff on the horizon too. You know, people are, are still swinging for the fences with expanding, you know, what board games are and introducing new mechanisms and new themes and getting ex- inspired by one new game that breaks through, you know, the next year there might be 20 amazing games that have that same mechanism. So like it's a rapidly right. evolving beast to where we'll probably want to be adjusting the theme park and adding new mechanisms and adding new themes all the time because the, you know, the world of board games is always always expanding. It also might be cool to do like a prototyping area or like, you know, some sort of game design classes or workshops here because you would be able to sort of study and see what people love about certain games and maybe what they don't love about certain games and I could see getting inspired by playing some of these games at the sort of human scale or super size scale or whatever you want to call it where you'd be like man i never thought about games like this before oh that kind of you know i want to go brainstorm this idea or see if uh if i can you know put a little prototype together to, to try this mechanism out it might be kind of cool if there's like a um a you design it area where the game experience was designed by a, a former part guest from a few months ago who had this cool idea and then you know we've been workshopping it and and implementing it into the park itself so it might be a, the kind of park where you can add on attractions created by people who go to the park, which which that's that's such a cool dream. Oh, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, then you have your name in a plaque in the park. Yeah, next to your attraction. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But there's there's so many different themes, like we were saying. Like, <laughs> I really love H.P. Lovecraft, so I was just gonna say, like, at the Mountains of Madness, um, there's all these cool themes. You know, a lot of them are qu- kind of adventure based. Basically, anything you could write a book about or, or make a movie about or a video game about, you can also make a board game about that. So you could have, you know, your favorite theme in the world. If you're a huge, like, Indiana Jones fan, there's going to be a part of the park that you love. If you're a total princess fan, there's going to be a princessy area as well. So I just love that there's kind of something for everyone. And 
if we wanted it to feel more theme parky, then we could just kind of have an area that's jungle themed and just put in some jungle roller coasters there. It's like, yeah, whatever. It's not a, it's not really based on a board game, but it fits in with the theme and the name of the attraction is like a reference to the world where that board game is set or, you know, whatever. You can kind of spin off the board game into its own attraction that's maybe just bumper cars or maybe just, you know, some theme park staple that people would really love to have as an option. Um, because board games can get kind of uh, mentally taxing. You know, if you're making strategic decisions every second of the day, you're going to be pretty worn out by the end of it. Kind of the unique thing about board games is you can just take... You can take like a, a real life idea and create a board game out of it. I mean, there's a there's one board game that I was thinking about designing is just um, picking up your luggage at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> but I I'm not like I haven't really thought about anything past that. Or like Flam Rouge is a bicycle racing game, so that you know they take an event yeah. or something that's already already out there and you just create it into a board game that's what i love about the the hobby of creating board games um not that they're going to turn out very well or anything or they're going to be fun for anybody or they're going to be a success but that spark is so much fun and then you can just like dive into it and, and think about all the different mechanics that might fit into it and like kind of try to fit the gears together until you get something that starts spinning and you're like this is a game now holy cow <laughs> um but literally just today i was listening to a podcast and they were someone was talking about when they they were in the past they were like a filmmaker and they would just do like what they called guerrilla style filmmaking so they would not get a permit to film in front of this building and they would just go do it really quickly and you had to be done before the police get called on you and i was like there's a board game in that so that's something i started developing this this evening actually um that i'm pretty excited about there's so much room for for future games and it's it's such a fun space to be in creatively because it's I don't I don't know in a way it's more logical or there's more restrictions on it than writing a novel where there's just a blank page staring you in the face you know mm. with a board game you always either start with a theme or a mechanism so you've already instantly got something before you even think about designing a game you've already got the first step done you know it's like here's my inspiration so we can always start from here um yeah so I don't, I don't know it's a really fun really fun hobby and hopefully we can incorporate that here somehow even just having a room that's just playtesting, like, you know, local uh, game developers or game designers come in and bring their stuff, and as a fan of board games, you can go over there and try some out, and then you get some some currency. You know, you get some Monopoly money for, <laughs> for playing your game. <laughs> for playing the game. Or you get, like, a, a Connect Four token that you're going to use in the game later or whatever. Yeah, that's what I mean. Board game designers are always looking for playtesters, so yes. a way to incentivize those people. <laughs> totally. Well, for one, I love trading card games and collectible card games and deck building games, which are all about finding a strategy and then accumulating and building a deck that represents that. So you're almost designing within a game that's already you know printed and finished and everything. You're building your own engine, sort of. Those kinds of games are really fun, and we already did a 
Yu-Gi-Oh theme park. So we could basically just fit that whole theme park inside of this one inside. pretty squarely <laughs> and just keep moving with it. But I love the idea of having tournaments with, with bigger consequences. And, you know, once you've uh, defeated this guy, you know, he gives you a badge or whatever, something like in Pokemon, where that allows you to go on and explore more of the world. I love that kind of, uh, you know, getting through the gate style gameplay of you have to complete this task before you can even learn about that task. So that, that kind of mechanism always uh, is exciting to me from a kind of narrative design perspective. And then I also really like tournaments of, of games. So that would kind of fit in smoothly here. And you could have, you know, sort of a culture of trading because you might already be trading your sheep for more bricks or whatever with your resources. Then if you're also trying to build a deck throughout the day or, you know, this is probably a place where a lot of Magic the Gathering players would be coming together so it might be a good place for them to play games with each other and trade with each other and we would just have to have tables set up everywhere for people to you know spontaneously just break out the cards and start playing a game uh which would not be a bad thing to not a bad problem to have i think that'd be so much fun i you you make me kind of really think about something that can maybe become reality is just uh not like because there's board game conventions everywhere, right? And they're only for a limited time for their for the weekend. Why is there not a board game theme park just for meeting up and playing board games, right? Trading card games like here's the magic area, here's the Pokemon area. This is where you need to go if you are, yeah, if you want to play games. I think that'd be awesome. I mean, as long as you live within thirty minutes of that place, you'd go every weekend yeah. or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that is kind of the beauty of the internet and VR is that, you know, our grandchildren will, like, of course there's thousands of people to play hollow laser cards with. Uh, You just go in VR, duh. Um, But, yeah, we're still trapped in these mortal forms of ours. And it's not always easy to find someone to play games with, you know? It's... It can be a little rough out there. Uh, you know, my wife only wants to play so many <laughs> rounds of any game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it'd be really cool to have a place like that, you know, year round, like an evergreen source of, of new people coming in, you know, traveling from out of town or whatever, or locals as well, going there to, to show their new deck and experiment with it and design a new game and play the new experience. And it sounds sounds pretty pretty dang awesome to me. Are there any other board games you would desperately need to have represented here? So I've really loved Two Rooms and a Boom, which is like a social. I think you can play up to 35 people. So it's one team's a blue team, one team's the red team. The red team has a bomber on their team. The blue team has the president. And you're in two separate rooms. Sometimes you have like, you don't know who's on your team. So you have to kind of figure out who's on your team and make sure if you're on the blue team, you have to make sure you protect the president make sure the president's in the safe in the room and the bombs in the other room. So uh, that's like my maybe one game that I could play all the time, anytime, but I'm not sure how we'd kind of would go into the whole assassin or uh, code names type experience. So what, what determines who is killed or whatever in that game? So it's, it's three rounds. So the first round, you split up the people so you don't know who's on your team. It's like, let's say, 10 people in each room. So there's maybe seven people on the red team in one room and three people on the red team in the other room and then seven blue and three blue. The math's right. <laughs> Checks <laughs> out. <laughs> and then uh, you elect a leader. And so the leader is in charge of choosing 
who goes to the other room at the end of the round. And so at the end of three rounds, you reveal who is the bomb, who is the president. And if they're in separate rooms, the president team wins. If they're Hmm. in the same room, the bomb team wins. That's awesome. I mean, that's definitely the kind of game that could be um, aided with technology of, you know, if you have like a magic band kind of thing, like some sort of sensor on your body that knows which role you're playing, then it could give you a, a visceral reaction of what's actually happening, you know, simulation of the room exploding or whatever. <laughs> That's really fun. That, that sounds like a cool social deduction type game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome. And, it's, and they, you have different roles too. Like there's one role, you have a spy and your card looks blue, but you're actually on the red team. Wow. So a bit confusing, yeah. Like there's another one where you can only... Um, you can only reveal your color. You cannot show your full role. It's a lot of different roles. Really cool game. Wow, cool. Oh, that's awesome. Have you ever played Boss Monster before? I haven't. I know the game, but I haven't played. It's a game about sort of building a dungeon, and you you're kind of playing as the bad guy at the end of the dungeon. It's based on like you know old school video games, um, and then every round heroes run to the entrance of one of the players' dungeons based on which treasures are inside the dungeon. And then the heroes try to get through all of your different traps and monsters and stuff that you've put in in sequence in your little dungeon. And it'd be really fun to do this because it's, I mean, if you had humans playing the role of those heroes where in the game they're just kind of like a resource card that comes to you. Um, if they were humans, they'd be like going through an obstacle course. So it'd be almost like an asymmetric game where one person is designing a big obstacle course and the other people are just trying to get through and trying to survive and get to the end of the dungeon, um, which I think would be really fun. I love those kind of asymmetric types of games where different players have different abilities and different powers, and sometimes they're even playing basically a totally different game. Um, that would be really fun to represent here. If, if we're going to have humans on the pawn scale and then humans also as like the mastermind strategist, it'd be nice if once in a while they were playing the same game together, you know, where one of those little pawns could actually beat the big strategist, you know, giant scale person, (laughs) um, which boss monster could, could conceivably do that, which would be really fun. Yeah. I imagine like the, the boss or the main person like setting up the obstacle course and then uh, digitally and then physically the things drop down into place. (laughs) That'd be awesome. Right. Um, yeah, maybe there's a team of like specialists who used to work on American Ninja Warrior or whatever, and they're wheeling around different obstacles and connecting them together in a different order. I think that's doable, even if it's like kind of like playground equipment, you know, where it's not giant scale, but it's still something that's somewhat challenging for those little human warriors trying to get to the end of the dungeon. Right. I think that'd be a ton of fun. Have you played The Mind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a really interesting game. I don't know if it would make any sense in this situation. Uh, I don't think you'd ever want to play a 100-player game of The Mind. <laughs> but but it's a really fun game, and I, I'm wondering, I was trying to think of a way we could use that kind of mechanism of, of again, like nonverbal communication uh, because it just adds a lot of, of stress and humor and, I, I don't know, connection with other humans when you kind of have to look them in the eye and be like, do you, do you have what I think you have? Cause we can't talk and we don't know each other. Um, I think that'd be such a fun, like icebreaker type of thing. 
Yeah, yeah, I lo- I really like that game. It's fun. It's easy. It's easy to break out and play with anyone too. Yeah, totally, and and that's a good game for non gamers. That might be a fun thing as a way of kind of introducing people to what the theme park is. You know, like hey, if you haven't played board games since Monopoly and Yahtzee, um, let's play The Mind, and then you can kind of get into the spirit of the park of like you got to be kind of open to trying new things. You're going to have fun. If you don't like it, you can always say, I don't want to play this, and you can leave. That's totally cool. Um, but kind of establishing the culture and sort of the rules of the theme park of this will be fun if you really get into it. If you don't want to get that into it, you know, maybe here's some areas that are that are not as – you don't have to get into character or you don't have to role play or whatever. It's like these are the ones that are more like a traditional theme park. Maybe the map has, has, you know, how many stars of difficulty it is or how many stars of nerdiness. <laughs> you know, you've got different stats. Are there any other board games that people would beat us up if we forgot? I'm sure we left some out that people would be disappointed, but and and luckily, I feel like gamers are usually pretty pretty cool, um, pretty forgiving, you know, because a lot of playing a game is is having things go wrong, you know. A lot of the time, um, in the more serious and hardcore games, you're gonna lose a lot of the time. Those those collaborative games um, for real diehard players, usually you're gonna lose most of the time you play it. So you kind of have to be okay with with not winning them all, so to speak. Right. Right. And even, you know, world-class Magic the Gathering players, you're not going to win every game. That doesn't really make sense. It's never going to work out that way. I think the tagline to the park would have to be something about about not winning, too. It'd, be, it'd have to be like the board game experience that isn't all about winning or something. <laughs> I like that, yeah. Like just have fun or something like that. Or Yeah, and then we would, you know, reinforce the, the kind of culture and um, that sort of... I don't know, growth mindset or try it again kind of spirit uh, throughout throughout the, the park with, you know, with what the staff is trained to say and what the rules are and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it's not whether you win or lose or <laughs> some will win, some will lose. So, yeah, I'm, I'm certain that we've missed out on a lot of really good ideas, but I'm, my hope is for the future of this show that we can make it a little bit even more broadly collaborative. Um, part of my goal for finding guests is people who have not necessarily designed a board, uh, designed a theme park before, excuse me, um, but just showing that kind of everyone can contribute to this and everyone can do this as long as you're passionate about something, uh, you can kind of design stuff around that. Kind of like what we were talking about with board game design. You know, if you're if you're really fascinated by, you know, picking up luggage at the airport, you can make a board game about it. You know, so you have to find <laughs> what you love about something or or the the curiosity of something and be like hey there's something to this i'm gonna i'm gonna work on designing something around it like anyone can create you just have to find that spark of inspiration and i'm hoping to anyway in the future having more methods of allowing the audience to add on to the theme park and hopefully they won't you know be done growing the second the podcast is released but rather they can continue to grow over time um, so yeah, I'm, I'm working on coming up with some methods of how to do that because <laughs> I think that'd be really fun having it being an ongoing collaborative process, especially for ones like this, where it's literally, there's, it's an infinitely large, you know, realm of possibility every year there'll be new board games released 
even you know 15 years down the road when this podcast is old and dusty it'll still be on the <laughs> internet banging around somewhere uh and hopefully people can continue to add their new board game uh you know amusements into it and i think that'd be really cool well dustin thank you so much for being on the show man you're, you're a great sport like like we said it was an ambitious undertaking and we kind of noodled all over the place but i think it was a lot of fun yeah no thank you thank you very much i think uh i could talk about designing a board game theme park or anything board game related all day so, <laughs> you know i want i'm working on making an amusement sparks card game because um, there's a lot of games i really enjoy where it's sort of about being creative within limitations you know you can only play the cards in your hand and you're trying to work on like score bonuses and stuff like that so i'm working on on making a game based on this show which would be kind of cool to have you know a section of it that is board game land like there's a, a card in the amusement park game about cards it'd be kind of fun yeah that'd be awesome for the audience if they happen to be intrigued by you and your stylings uh where could they go to find out more about Dustin's stats uh so you can find our podcast at any of the podcast platforms anyone that you're listening to this one you could probably find ours but that's board game with education and you can go to our website boardgamewitheducation.com and we're on social media and that's board game with education or bge underscore games on twitter okay awesome cool beans man wow <laughs> thanks for going through that that roller coaster ride with me yeah thank you that was a blast <laughs>